Hey, Jer, how you doing, brother? Mr. Jeremy, I am doing well. That's good, that's good. You know, we've been having quite a few conversations about uh, careers and, you know, life changes and people and things like that. And, you know, it got me thinking what I wanted to be when I grew up. And uh, I know I am not what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I was I was curious, what what did the younger chair... You, you, you mean as a little kid yeah. you didn't dress up as an HVAC technician? No, and, no, and no, I did not. Have, have dreams of uh, repairing air conditioners? <laughs> One year for Christmas, though, I did get a little tool set, so I, I wonder if that was, you know... Absolutely. So, so what did little tiny tyke Jerry want to do when he grew up? Oh, man. <laughs> I... <laughs> You know, see, this is one of those, this is one of the problems with the way my brain works because <laughs> I, I, I have, I have so little memories of when I was little. I, I just don't have a long-term memory. For many years, I would describe myself as like, <laughs> if my brain were a computer, it had a hell of a lot of RAM and no disk capacity. <laughs> like, like I could process something like nobody's business. Like, like tell me to cram for a test, and I could shove a ton of information in my head really fast and spit it out really fast and process really fast. But don't ask me about it next, the week later. So, <laughs> a week later, so it's had, all gone. You had that random access memory. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. So, you know, well, you know what's funny is this episode is about DC. We're, we're going we're gonna to dip our toe into the DC universe. Right. And I will say that one thing I do remember from my childhood, this is a little, uh, we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I'll, I'll give you a little spoiler about my relationship with DC. Superman was always my favorite superhero right. growing up as a kid. Okay. And okay. I and there's this little red towel that when I was like five or four, a little red yep. towel with a safety pin that was <laughs> that was my cape. And I wore that thing a lot. I wore it enough that my parents saved it so that when oh I goodness. had a firstborn oh son. Goodness. They got it back out and bestowed it upon my son, who then wore it as his cape for a while, and we still have that, so that we can pass it on to if my if one of my children have a have a child who wants a cape, then I have one ready for them. Uh, so you know, so uh, I I I think it's probably not a bad guess to say, as a little kid, I wanted to grow up and be a superhero. <laughs> now, how, I don't know of any little boy that did not at one point tie a towel or something like that <laughs> a sheet uh, uh -huh. around their neck and play superhero that was uh -huh. you know that was classic either that or put you know, on a mask or put it on seems a mask like yes. little kids fall into either superman right, or spider-man right? you know what i mean because spider-man never really had a cape didn't do the cape thing he no, the, no you know what i mean yeah, so yeah. It was, that's how that seemed to fall out but it, you know i mean it I, I miss being a kid where, you know, that stick wasn't just a stick, it was Excalibur, you know? Or uh -huh. if it was shaped anything like a gun, it was a ray gun That's or something exactly right. like yeah. that, you know? <laughs> That's <laughs> but, right. But uh, how about as a teenager? What did you want to be? Any idea? Well, maybe, you know, um, as I got into as I got into high school, and yeah. as, uh, of course, as soon as you hit high school, uh, ridiculously, the world starts asking you, "What do you want to be when you grow up, or right, what are you going right. to study if you go to college, or whatever?" I did. I still did not have a good answer. I have always been terrible at <laughs> answering this question. 
because I, this is going to sound like I'm super arrogant, but I seriously am nerdy enough intellectually that I was good at everything in high school. Ah. I got I got A's in everything. You know, I when I went to my college counselor and he was like, so what are you interested in? I was like, I don't know! Because <laughs> I, ultimately I decided to go to college as an English literature major because while I was equally good at math and, and English, what I loved about English was you could return to a book or a story multiple times and find new things in it, ah. which kind of connects to why uh, this podcast is so fun because right, we right, return right, right. to stories we love and find new things in them. But uh, whereas for me at the time, math was like, I already solved that problem. Why would I want to do that problem again? You know, you you could have turned your superpowers to some good there, and you know, solved like world hunger. No, I'm kidding. I'm maybe, maybe. But uh, but yeah. So I went to school as an English major, and then uh, in college discovered philosophy, and then my brain just went crazy because I am built for concept. I'm built for argument. I'm built for all these philosophical. Uh, ideas that uh, I'm sure you've never noticed in this podcast at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> but what about you turning the tables? You don't. So, you don't. You know, we got to turn it around on you. So uh, my 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 goals were significantly less lofty and and uh, quite a bit more mundane. When I was a kid, I, I had a couple of things that I wanted to do. You know, of course, along with the usual. You know, I want to be an astronaut. That you know. I actually wanted to be a professional chef. Oh, cool. So uh, I loved cooking. I still yeah. do. Uh -huh. um, then as as I started to see, you know, that the, the world as it was for those in the professional food industry, the, the very, 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 very few people actually make it to the, the level of, uh, you know, Gordon Ramsay or my inspiration was like the... Uh, the cooking shows on PBS and things like that. Julia uh, Childs! Julia Childs, yes. I, I kind of lost my way for a good while. And then I had a teacher that said, uh, uh, he wrote in, a year, in my yearbook, he said, I hope to be reading about a Dr. Duff one day. And, and that really, really kind of lit a fire under me. Ooh. So uh, I started uh, trying to pursue medicine. Uh, I worked on all of my prerequisites for pre-med and I was about two-thirds of the way through and uh, at that point both of my parents had gotten sick and they were uh, they'd been divorced for a couple years so I had to split my time between the two of them neither of them could work so it left me with uh, a fallback which was uh, I had gotten a job learning uh, doing air conditioning and repairing appliances it was not something I wanted to do long term. But when at the point that they got sick, I, I wound up having to make a choice. I could either support separate households uh, and, and continue on with what I was doing, or I could find some way of struggling through school, possibly make it, possibly not. Uh, and even if I did make it, it would be, of course, crippling student loan debt you yeah. know somewhere in mm -hmm. you know in the many hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. and by the time I get to residency and things like that and it's it's it, I have huge respect for the people that do it now without the assistance of parents or things like that 
that's it, it's a huge burden huge burden so uh i i decided to take the idea of you know what well this wasn't my dream job but maybe i can make it that mm. so i've been doing hvac for 20 something years now and honestly i love it i love it it's not as prestigious as being a doctor but the nice thing is, is when I can go to... But, but if you live yeah. in Southwest Florida, it's just as necessary. Oh, it's necessary. just as necessary, yeah. <laughs> but when I can go into a doctor's office and I can be their doctor, yeah. their savior, yeah. you know, it's yeah. uh, and earn the respect of those people because I can be the professional that they are uh, with significantly less school, but... I, I can be that for them when there's while there's a lot of people doing air conditioning there's not a lot of people that do it well and I'm, I know I'm patting myself on the back with that but you know I mean I, I, I actually have empirical evidence to back that up that's right <laughs> 20, 20 plus years yes, of success yeah. and career exactly. absolutely yeah yeah and, it, uh, you know it's funny you and my wife have some similarities in that in yes. that my wife went to college for pre-med uh -huh. uh, was doing her her prerequisites uh and then her senior year took the mcats yeah. and freaked out because oh, she was like oh yeah. my god i don't know if this is right what what am i doing with my life yeah. and uh, and thankfully it was a professor of hers in undergrad who who said hey have you ever thought about nursing yeah and she hadn't she took a one-year BSNRN program because she already had the the BS in, in biology. And then her first job out of that was at the hospital where she studied. Mm -hmm. uh, was mm -hmm. a, a shared nursing job in pediatrics and NICU and kind of fell for NICU and now has wow. been a NICU nurse for, for more than 20 years. That's, yeah, that's... neonatal intensive care. And, uh, and, and so both of you sort of discovered and built uh, a career out of uh you know out of a change of course yeah so to speak. yeah and and i i i did take my uh pre-mcat and i <laughs> the, the the freaking out terrified <laughs> because it is it is dense overwhelming. and intense yeah. and overwhelming yeah yeah yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I I'm reminded of. Do you remember that uh, that graduation speech? Uh, wear sunscreen. Do you remember? Have you ever heard of that one? Mm -hmm. It was it was originally a it was originally an article written in a newspaper that then was uh, that then became an audio track when someone recorded it, and then it became a part of a Baz Luhrmann. Uh, song like a, a, a compilation, like a mashup mm -hmm. of this recording with mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, with oh, what was the song? Now I'm not going to remember what it is. Ladies and gentlemen of the class of '97, wear sunscreen. If I could offer you only one tip for the future, sunscreen would be it. The long-term benefits of sunscreen have been proved by scientists, whereas the rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own meandering experience. I will dispense this advice now. Enjoy the power and beauty of your youth. Oh, never mind. 
You will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they fade it. We'll look it up. I'll put a link to it on the post for this episode. But <laughs> it starts with, it's, it's this fictional commencement address to those graduating from school. And it, I don't think it even specifies high school or college. It's just a commencement address. And it begins with, uh, it begins with, if I could give you one practical uh, empirical piece of advice that will improve your life, it is this, wear sunscreen. The rest <laughs> of what I will tell you is merely anecdote and <laughs> lessons that I have picked up from my life. And at one point in the speech, it says, Stretch. Don't feel guilty if you don't know what you want to do with your life. The most interesting people I know didn't know at 22 what they wanted to do with their lives. Some of the most interesting 40-year-olds I know still don't. Get plenty of calcium. Be kind to your needs. You'll miss them when they're gone. If you don't know what you want to be when you grow up, don't worry about it. Some of the... In, some of the... Uh... Uh, some of the best people didn't know what they were going to be until they were 30. And then it says, and some of the most interesting people I've ever met didn't know what they wanted to do until, you know, until they were 40 or something like that. Yeah. And I, I have clung to that because I have bounced around doing different kinds of jobs and odd things. And I was a stay at home parent for a good decade for mm -hmm. our four kids while my wife continued to build her career. And I only feel like now that I'm about to turn 50 that I kind of feel like I kind of know what I want to do to earn money and to, to be, a, a, you know, a productive member of society. And so I, I cling to that whole, like, some of the most interesting people I've ever met didn't know what they wanted to do until they were later in life. And I, I feel that same way about me. Yeah. Wow. You know, I, I, I love doing this with you because... I, I learned so much about you. You know, we've been friends Likewise, for Likewise, I had no idea years. you yeah. were interested in being a doctor. That's oh, awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> But as far as today's episode, what it's all about is, is, well, we're talking about Teen Titans Go. But I think first, Jer, I think you need to cue the, the theme music here. music that that we picked it, it, it <laughs> and watching the orville right now it kind of reminds me of that and it kind of reminds me of a whole bunch of things with uh -huh. it you know uh -huh. uh, it's, it's got that star trek vibe uh -huh. to it it's got that independence day vibe to it it's it i like it as far as for today though we're we're talking about dc dc the the multiverse their their cinematic universe it's uh, every bit as, as uh, varied and complex as Marvel's is, and maybe even more so, because not everybody has heard of all of 
the Marvel characters, but you're hard-pressed to find anybody that hasn't heard of the majority of the DC characters. Yeah. Yeah, so, most people, when you think superhero, they think Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity. Uh, and then you've got the, the, the ancillary characters. You've got the Aquaman, you know, the Green Lantern, and all of that other fun stuff. Flash. I remember, actually, uh, when I was younger, the they had that Flash television series, which I thought was really good until, you know, like most things that are syndicated, it kind of went off the rails a little bit uh-huh, and uh-huh. kind of trailed off. But there was also other things that I used to watch, like um, uh, uh, The Adventures of Lois and Clark. I love that show. I love that show, too. My wife yes. and I were obsessed with that show. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. I, <laughs> In fact, I used to watch that with a good friend of mine, Baron. And I was over at his house uh, watching that with him when they interrupted it so rudely. Uh, it was uh, one of the the major, major blackouts in New York City. Uh-huh. It, uh, remember back in the early 2000s when they had that huge blackout that lasted like 12 hours or something like that? Do you remember I, that? I remember the, the, must, the NBC must-see TV lineup doing a whole night of New York City blackout episodes where like there was a blackout on Friends and there was a yeah. blackout on Seinfeld and there was a blackout on such and such. <laughs> well, it it was kind of it, it was one of those morbid curiosity but at the same time how dare you interrupt my rerun of, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. of it. Um, and then, I remember distinctly when Lois and Clark got married on that show. Yeah, and I, how I what a big game that changer yeah. that was. Yeah, uh, yeah. I watched that show I to the bitter end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but even before then, I you know, I mean, I I would watch uh, the the Batman uh, cartoons. I, I would have to say my first introduction to the DC superhero universe wasn't even the the Superman movies with Christopher Reeves. It was actually the Adam West Batman. And the pow. Boom! Zip! Zow! <laughs> and I, I loved it because even as a kid, I recognized that they were just going to have fun with it and be campy. And then, then they had, it was Eartha Kitt that was uh, yes, Catwoman. Yes. And, you know... Um, meow, darling. Meow, meow. <laughs> meow darling. <laughs> and and uh, they... They they took this comic that even even back in the sixties when you know that the show was created, they it was Batman was still, you know, taking a fairly dark turn in some of it and it was fairly fairly heavy weighty topics, but they still took this show and made it fun. And then you had uh like the Batman the animated series back in, in uh the early nineties and things like that, and I confess that I didn't really watch them a whole lot. But I did watch uh, the Superman movies with Christopher Reeves. Mm-hmm. Um, I did watch uh, Lois and Clark. I watched the the Batman movies, of course. The the uh, uh, Tim Burton. Tim Burton uh, and some of the Christopher Nolan ones, and I enjoyed them. But it was never really a huge part of my life. And and now my kids' favorite part of DC, uh, at least you know, when they were younger, was Teen Titans Go. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, if, if you're not familiar with who the Teen Titans are, 
it's it's kind of a prequel sort of thing or you know the earlier life of of these superheroes you've got robin you've got beast boy you've got raven you've got starfire uh and you've got uh cyborg so it teen titans is them as younger trying to break into the world of the big name superheroes the justice league which is really so, funny because if you're if you're if you've never really gotten into DC but you're a very big Marvel fan Marvel is about to embark on their own uh on their own version of the younger generation doing their thing because Ms Marvel the TV yep. show yep. with Kamala Khan came out and they did Kate Bishop the the successor to Clint Barton's Hawkeye and spoiler alert there's a post credit scene to the latest MCU movie The Marvels in which Kamala Khan goes to recruit uh, Kate Bishop's Hawkeye saying that she's got she's got a bunch of files and a bunch of young heroes and uh, and that is going to lead to what are called the Young Avengers uh, from the Marvel Universe. And so it's it's really funny. DC, it's funny how many things DC had before Marvel, but because Marvel has been such a monster pop culture phenomenon with its organized cinematic universe, they're popularizing or bringing to the masses things that DC has had forever. Like the a lot of people know the term multiverse now right, because of, right. of the MCU because right. of Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness. Whereas yeah. the multiverse has been a staple of DC comics and stories forever. Uh, you know, so it's just it's just really fascinating to to compare and contrast. But but I digress. <laughs> Isn't that all what we're supposed to do? Is just digress here? Now that's. I have a question for you, though. Yes. In the spirit of where we we've been talking about, in the spirit of origin stories, yes. In terms of of DC, yeah. Are you familiar with and do you recall Wonder Twin powers activate, activate. form of <laughs> bucket of water, form of spider monkey. <laughs> yeah, I do remember. Do you remember that? I do remember, and I, I Saturday morning the the. Yes. S- what was it? What was the the series called? Super Friends, right? It was called was, the Super Friends. Wasn't there also the the Fantastic Four? Yes, yeah, that I was. Think they wasn't had that a, a Hanna Barbera that, sort of thing though? Was they, that Hanna? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it was Hanna Barbera, but it was the same, same style same of style. animation. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah absolutely. Those Saturday morning cartoons. That was that was probably my my first introduction to DC, and that's yeah. where I met like Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and. And the Wonder Twins right, with, right, uh, right. didn't they have a monkey? Wasn't it the twins? Didn't they have a pet monkey of some sort? I don't know. Maybe it was a progenitor, <laughs> uh, an early ancestor of Beast Boy. But uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. DC has is such a vast, uh, such a vast franchise. Not yeah. only in their comics, but also in they've always had the animated shows and then the movies you know you yeah. mentioned the Christo, the the 1960s batman tv show then the christopher reeves movies then the tim burton movies then yeah. back to more the the more mo- the the animated you know batman the animated series was yep. acclaimed as just a a, yeah. a real pioneer in animation on television i remember what a big deal batman the animated oh, yeah. series was yeah. and i remember loving watching it and that was the the swing back 
you know, part of that swing back away from the campy Batman uh, into into the more serious. As far as for today, we are discussing the very serious topic of <laughs> Teen Titans Go. <laughs> <sighs> I'm going to give a quick synopsis on, uh, on, on the episodes, uh, go over a few things like, you know, like who the cast is and everything. So mm-hmm. the main characters here. For Teen Titans Go Season 4, we have Scott Menville is the voice of Robin. He also does various other side voices in there. We've got Hyndon Walsh, who is the voice of Starfire. Tara Strong is the voice of Raven. We have Greg Sipes as the voice of Beast Boy. And Karen, uh, Kari Payton is the voice of Cyborg. And those are the main characters. The episodes we uh, were discussing today is Origins, Jinxed, Brain Percentages, Blaze, that's spelled B-L-4-Z-3, and Hot Salad Water. I love that name, Hot Salad Water. That is, I'm sorry, that's just amazing. Chef's Kiss. Chef's Kiss. Synopsis for Origins, and I'm gonna try and be quick about this because, because we have five of these to talk about. It all begins when Robin breaks the door and is going to tell his story. Cyborg happily says that he loves stories. Robin tells him that it's an origin story, which Beast Boy mishears as orange. And soon Robin tells his origin story about himself as a circus clown. The other Titans stop him due to their being bored. I think they've heard it before. Raven tells her inaccurate origin story. She was a teen photographer taking photos of a science lab when she gets bitten by a radioactive raven. She turns into a raven woman who gains a series of raven-related powers, winged flight, egg-laying, and nest-making. Her tragedy is that her elder uncle died decades later of old age. All the titans except Robin cry. No, no, cried. it's not her uncle. It's oh. just the old people she lived with. The old people that she lived with. <laughs> <laughs> and incidentally... Tragic. <laughs> incidentally, she's the only superhero that they don't make a direct homage to as far as naming them. Cyborg tells his inaccurate story about him escaping a terrible explosion that blew up his homeworld and killed his parents. Then he lived on a farm with his stepparents who had always wanted a child. He finds he has superpowers and becomes Cyborg Man. His tragedy is that his stepparents fell on hard times, lost their farm, and now we're not homeless. And yet again, all the Titans except Robin cry. Robin tells Cyborg, that's Superman's origin. Starfire tells her inaccurate origin story about her younger self walking home from the movies with her cats. As they walk into an alley, an angry dog scares her and the cats, chasing them away, which causes Starfire to become depressed. Starfire takes a vast fortune left by her cats to build a headquarters in a cave and becomes the superhero Catfire, who fights bad dogs. Her tragedy is in her her back was broken by Bane Dog. Robin tells her that was Batman's origin story, except she was Batman and all the characters were replaced by cat and dogs. Or Beast Boy tells his inaccurate story about being a jet pilot known as the Man Without Fear. One night while marooned on a desert island after jumping from a crashing plane, a dying green alien gave Beast Boy a green power ring. Beast Boy then uses his powers to fight a series of bad guys like the Red Lanterns and Dr. Hector Hammond. This time, the Titans, especially Robin, didn't cry. Robin tells Beast Boy that it was more like Green Lantern's story. Beast Boy says that he is green, he is green Lantern, explaining why he's green and can change form. Then Robin tries to remember and retell Beast Boy's real origin origin story about how he was ill as a child and the scientist's parents give him an experimental serum created from the blood of a rare green monkey. It not only cured him, but granted him shape-shifting powers. Beast Boy points out how silly that is, so he and the other Titans laugh at Robin. 
Beast Boy then eventually reveals he's not real, and he's just a hologram created by Green Lantern, causing everyone, except Robin, who is more surprised than sad, to cry, especially Cyborg, upon realizing his friendship with Beast Boy was a lie. The episode ends with Green Lantern laughing. <laughs> Hiding behind a plant. Uh, that was my favorite. Where he's standing behind this little plant that wouldn't hide anything and just <laughs> giggles. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I think my favorite part of that whole episode was the idea that origin stories yes. must be tragic. Tragic, yes. <laughs> and how the rest of them mock Robin with their mock tragedies. Origin story. Oh, snap! I love oranges. So juicy and filled with that vitamin C's. Not exactly, but this is indeed a juicy, pulpy tale. It begins many years ago on a night like any other. At that time, I was a young circus acrobat, part of the famous... Hold up! Did you say circus? Ah, oh, he is again telling the depressing tale of his childhood. It's not a depressing tale. It's my origin story. Ah, uh, we want to hear about fruit, bro. Come on, I didn't even get to the good part yet. There are no good parts. All of the parts are the sad. That's what makes origin stories so great. The heart-wrenching tragedy. If you want a tragic origin story, you should hear mine. Oh, yeah, tells it, Mama. I love this one. No! I'm in the middle of telling my poignant origin story. All right, it starts way back when I was just a normal kid living with some old people. <laughs> and then they all say, oh, that is tragic. <laughs> I, you know what I, I love? I'm, I'm reading this, by the way, from Teen Titans Go, the wiki page. I, I love that the synopsis are as long as the episodes are. <laughs> That's exactly right. I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, this wow. is a brief synopsis? This is, this is a brief synopsis, <laughs> and wait till I get to Jinx here. Oh, no. Oh, boy. <laughs> this episode starts with Cyborg being unable to talk to Beast while uh, Beast teases him with pizza. Starfire appears and eats a single slice in front of him. The young Tamaranian wanted to know why Cyborg was being quiet. Beast Boy told her that Cyborg was jinxed, and by saying his name, released him from the jinx. Starfire thinks that this is villainous, that their villainous friend Jinx is in the tower. Beast Boy then explains the rules of Jinx to her, only to have Cyborg jinx him. Consequences. <laughs> he then jinxes Raven and Starfire. Robin wanted to know what was happening in Cyborg and... Uh, Cyborg said Beast Boy, Raven, and Starfire's names, which released them from the Jinx. Starfire asks Robin to play too, but he declines, claiming that yelling his loudness uh, can get the team to do what he says. That and he cannot be Jinx. And gives the Titans a lecture on about high cholesterol and its side effects instead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which which Robin says can can extend your life a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Cyborg tells him to use another method to communicate, but Robin prefers loud words and yelling. Having enough of Robin yelling and talking too much, they decide to jinx him. Cyborg intentionally sets off the crime alert, leading to Robin saying, Titans, go! His catchphrase and battle cry. The Titans all say go at the same time, jinxing Robin and preventing him from speaking. They warn him about the consequences of breaking the jinx, but keep his the warning vague. Consequences. <laughs> Robin breaks the jinx and loses his voice in a magical sequence that leaves the other Titans stunned, but also relieved. Cyborg, Starfire, Beast Boy, and Raven enjoy their first day of silence, and Robin gets to their attention through dancing, but to no avail. He also uses international language of love to make his point. <laughs> the flamenco dancing. <laughs> but isn't exactly the most charming titan to begin with. 
Robin later eats Birdarang, shocking the other Titans. Birdarang speaks for Robin from inside his stomach while he moves his lips. He wants the Titans to find his voice before Robin decides to eat more fish. The Titans conclude that Ro since Robin lost his voice playing Jinx, it must be with their friend Jinx. Where are we gonna peep the man's vocals, yo? You lost it playing Jinx, so obviously Jinx has it. Really? Yeah. That's dumb. Yeah, I cannot believe Super dumb. Completely the uncreative. But I guess it makes sense, yo. Yeah. It is it the That's genius. why we're number one. Titans, giggity, giggity, go! They immediately go to the Hive Tower to confront Jinx. Indeed, and Jinx does indeed have the voice and many others in her collection, each trapped in a special container. Birdarang pleads with her to return the voice, but she refuses. Using her bad luck magic, she makes a large object fall on Robin, forcing Birdarang out of his body. Robin tries to use care charades to communicate with his team, which they do not understand. Jinx laughs at Robin, believing that it is karma for him to only use yelling and violence to lead his team, which Robin gives an idea and starts attacking his team, even Starfire. They somehow understand what he wants and attack Jinx. Starfire, even admitting that Robin's abusive behavior towards her is inspiring. <laughs> Consequences. <laughs> <laughs> Consequences. They fight and in the process destroy many of the containers that house stolen voices, setting them free. Jinx has had enough and she returns Robin's voice. He celebrates by being very loud and obnoxious. Back in the Titan's Tower, Robin is happy to have his voice back just in time to give a new lecture about how he's always right and the others don't know what they're doing. Annoyed Robin talking too much once more, Cyborg decides to set off another crime alert, leading Robin to being jinxed once again. <laughs> Oh, 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 are we moving on? Sorry. These are these are very long, these recaps. Oh, come on. <laughs> Do you want to read long. one? No. No, okay. I want to make one up that's much shorter so we can actually talk about the episodes. Okay. All right, fine. I'll do brain percentages here, but then I, when when we get to Solid Water, uh -huh. I'm going to read the full thing because I honestly I thought Solid Water was hilarious. <laughs> All right, well let's let's just summarize. Okay. How about if I summarize brain percentages and Blaze, and then you can read the hot salad water? Is that a deal? Go for it. All right. So brain percentages. The Teen Titans are all looking at a hidden picture book. And while all the other Titans can easily find the pictures hidden in the hidden picture book, Beast Boy <laughs> cannot. That leads the Titans to a debate about the amount of brain power that is used. While certain Titans believe that only 10% of our brain is used, others, I believe it is Cyborg, says, no, that's just a myth. We actually use our whole brain. But they ignore that for the purposes of the episode. Ah! I can't find nothing. This pick is hidden too good. The there, the there. It is not you. It is your brain. My brains is fine. I just got to use all my lobes. My earlobes, my lobelobes, my frontal lobes, all types of lobes. Sorry, Beast Boy, but using your entire brain is impossible. It is a fact that we humans only use 10% of our brains. 2% in your case. Actually, that's a common misconception. We use all parts of our brain at all times. The 10% myth is basically just used to make plots for books, TV shows, and movies. <gasps> Would the television book movie shows truly say something untrue? Of course not. If I use more percentages of my brain, I could do this puzzle? I guess, yeah. Beast Boy decides that he is going to begin using higher brain percentages, yo, in order to solve the brain, in order to solve the, the hidden picture, thereby setting off a series of gags in which Beast Boy begins to use more and more brain percentages, getting 
more and more smart, beginning with Shakespeare, uh, then <laughs> moving into um, meditation and the ability to hover, and then eventually moving into like universal oneness with uh, the universe. Then he goes back in time and like touches fingers with the uh, monkey progenitor of all life on Earth until he finally hits 100%, becomes a becomes a computer that can then take them into the picture into the picture itself where he still using 100% of his brain can't see the picture until the dolphin smacks him upside the head which is the one he was looking for and then they come back into reality where they turn the page discover a maze which it turns out Beast Boy is equally bad at and the computer Beast Boy brings them into the maze where the t- other teen titans say we're going to be in here forever <laughs> then uh, we also watched the episode Blaze, BL4Z3, in which there is a, uh, while they are watching a live action puppet show on their TV at the beginning, a crime alert uh, notifies Robin that the FBI is looking for assistance in combating IP privacy, uh, piracy. IP piracy, which leads the the Titans into Robin's ancient computer where he has set up uh, virtual reality uh, stations, much like the Matrix, in which Robin tries to convince them that going into this virtual reality to combat piracy uh, would be a cool thing, despite the fact that it not being pirates like ARG with a hook and parrot. The Titans are very skeptical. Uh, after a few gags about Robin's old computer stuff, they eventually get into the virtual reality where it turns out the IP pirates are actual digital pirates in a pirate ship that then the Titans transform into a uh, gag on the anime One Piece and chase after the pirates. What a hole, me hearties! Music, movies, productivity software! Yarr! The computer pirates are... pirates? Let's take them down, dude! <sighs> What's the point? This was supposed to be a cool hacker adventure, not a maritime brawl. Just let the FBI handle them. Robin, this is a cool hacker adventure. You just got to free your mind, fool. Free my mind. I see it so clearly now. This is a hacker adventure! Download source buckling software! Download pirate voices! I'd be knowing how to talk like a pirate now! Download pirate ship! It's time we throw these scallywags overboard! Titans, go! Ho, ho! where they eventually succeed in capturing the booty, which is all of the IP stolen, which then prompts the FBI to show up and accuse them of being the pirates. (laughs) All right, Jeremy, go ahead with Hot Salad Water. Okay, I was trying to actually find a uh, shorter synopsis, but... (laughs) This one one is actually so much fun that I'm just going to read the long form. The story opens with Starfire, Raven, and Beast Boy having their bowls of cereal in the dining room. While the other Titans are eating cereal except for Robin, Cyborg offers them drinks such as water, orange juice, and milk, but the other three aren't satisfied until he finds a tea bag and decides to make tea with his own mechanical body. 
but before they can drink their tea, Robin suddenly comes up running and attacks Cyborg Teacup with a Birdarang, causing it to explode right in Cyborg's face. Robin then scolds his friends for drinking tea, which Beast Boy calls hot salad water, before Raven corrects him. After Starfire and Raven throw away their teacups, Robin yells at Cyborg, and Cyborg tells him to chillax. However, Robin warns them that tea is from Great Britain and tells them how dangerous it is to drink tea. He gives an inaccurate history of tea linked to the British invasion and solved by the bald eagle, the Statue of Liberty, and George Washington to save the day, which at first Beast Boy questions is being part of American history, yet Robin forces him to keep quiet. He doesn't forget to remind them that England has never forgotten about the humiliating defeat, throwing away the history book and claiming that the British always have plans to take revenge on America. Raven thinks Robin is overreacting. However, Robin believes his beliefs are true. Then he soon dumps Beast Boy's teacup into the ocean, saying, it's where it belongs, putting caps with the words USA and spraying the others with soda. After Robin leaves with the help of his grapple gun, Starfire is upset that they aren't going to enjoy hot salad water anymore. A wooden crate containing tea bags have been ported to the tower. Starfire thinks that it's sign they're meant to drink tea. While Raven is suspicious at first, Beast Boy manages to convince her by making her, along with Starfire and Cyborg, agree with him that Robin is not always right and only drags them into trouble. They immediately disobey Robin's order by drinking tea behind his back, as, and as they start to stick out their little finger, Starfire can't help but chew the tea bag while she and three other Titans start drinking tea in a British manner. The very next morning, Robin, who is wearing an obvious USA cap with too many flags on both sides, hums a tune and enters the living room, enthusiastically greeting Raven, Beast Boy, and Starfire, who are sitting on the couch with Good Morning Titans. Raven then responds to him, Hello, Robin! And Robin displays his doubts, uh, asking her whether she has forgotten about the ancient Hello! Starfire excitedly tells him to join the three of them and watch the telly, which, and he asks her uh, back in a snotty and disrespectful way, who calls a TV a telly? Nevertheless, he soon sniffs an ominous breakfast and smells immediately breakfast smell and immediately questions Cyborg, who walks in with a plate of food. Cyborg replies that there are bacon, strips, eggs, toast, and hash browns. Robin feels relieved at first and claims it's a way to be American. Unfortunately, Cyborg continues with the black pudding, baked beans, mushrooms, and tomatoes. Robin furiously calls the breakfast full English after recovering from the shock and figures out that the four have drunk tea, which Raven admits. Robin recalls how he has thrown the previous tea into the ocean like any good American would, and Cyborg tells him that they've got some more, causing Robin to kneel and believe his worst nightmare is coming true. His friends are becoming Anglophiles, which Beast Boy is dumb enough to mishear his Hanglo style, even showing his underwear. Robin emphasizes his point again, saying that Anglophiles are the ones who love Great Britain. He then tells Cyborg and the others that there's nothing great about Great Britain and that the tea has worked into their minds. To make them remember being Americans, he sang a song that praises how awesome the USA is and all his friends shout, USA, USA, USA. America, America, awesome America. We got tank tops and pickup trucks, George Washington on the buck. Freedom and apple pie brings a tear to American eyes. We're talking full house and Ernest goes to camp. Samuel L. Jackson on the stamp. Boardwalking at the Jersey Shore. We got that Mount Rushmore. Campfires and making s'mores. The bald eagle we all adore. America, America, awesome America. Power tools.
following day, Robin brings a box of fireworks into the dining room and asks who is ready to shoot them off. After he exclaims, USA, 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 a red telephone box abruptly appears. After Robin scans it he's, and suspects tyranny, he enters it and gets sent to Big Ben through an underground tunnel. Upon arriving in Big Ben's English-style room, he is astonished to discover that all four of his friends are dressed in British attire, drinking tea like old British nobles. Robin inquires what is happening to them, what happened to them being American, but is only met with Cyborg's offer to give him a biscuit, which he rudely rejects. Beast Boy complains about his temper, and Raven elegantly asks him to join their tea party, pouring a cup of tea in front of him, being telekinesis. Deeply enraged, Robin not only breaks the tea cup, but aggressively knocks down the table. Such action angers the others, and Robin asks whether the, where the tea is coming from. Starfire replies that they have been invited to join a spot of tea with a particular she. Uh, then Starfire, Raven, Cyborg, and Beast Boy approach Robin and quarter him in a door. Although he manages to escape, thanks to his intelligence by using soda from two cans to spray them off, a great horror hides behind the door awaiting him. And he's met with crates of tea. Holy cow, this thing keeps going. Never mind. I'm not going to keep reading all of it. <laughs> Long story short, they fight the queen. I was trying to decide how to mock you about the length of this, so I'm glad you yeah. recognized yourself. No, I, I realized that that went like another <laughs> It's five, a minute-by-minute minute retelling. It is. It is. And it just says synopsis. Wow. It's not a synopsis. It's practically the script. <laughs> like I was there. Uh, they wind up fighting the queen, and uh, and yeah. Big Ben comes to life in order to yes. fight Lady Liberty, and uh, <laughs> the American Eagle comes to save Robin and win the day. It you know it becomes kind of a a, a Teen Titans go kaiju battle. That's, that right, that's right. That's right. It okay. does. Okay, so the minute by minute was a little much. But yeah, that was my apologies. <laughs> But it does raise a point in that hot salad water is a great example of what I think is one of the Teen Titan Go identity identifiers. Are yes, you, ready? Are you yes. ready for a little throwback? Yes. Remember when we talked sequels and trilogies and series, I purported the theory of identity identifiers in which a certain piece of media has characteristics or traits that are recognizably woven throughout that when you... Uh, see them over and over again, you can identify them as as important to that. Wow, that was a terrible explanation. Anyway, <laughs> go back and listen to our uh, Back to the Future Part 2 and 3 sequels discussion for a much better explanation of that. But I thought it'd be fun to identify the identity identifiers of Teen Titans Go! And I think one of the first ones is they always start an episode with a with at least one, if not a handful, of actual serious ideas, and then push that to its comedic extreme ridiculousness. <laughs> so, for instance, in this particular segment, Hot Salad Water, the main idea is that tea is a particularly British uh, practice of drinking it. It was not widely adopted by Americans, and... Because the Boston Tea Party is indicative of the American Revolution, it is a source of, of conflict between America and Great Britain, and then they just go crazy with that basic idea. You know, I find it incredibly hilarious, because you and your wife are not really coffee drinkers, you're tea drinkers. Well, my wife so, is, I'm wife, not. Well, my no, wife I'm... and my daughter. Okay, okay. 
but I find it absolutely hilarious that this this episode is about drinking tea being un-American. That's right. That's right. Robin would kick my wife's ass if she uh, knew her. That's all I have to say. You know, though, I... Also, I think songs is another yes. identity identifier. There is a song in this episode, and that is that is a regular feature among Teen Titan Go episodes. One of my favorite Teen Titans Go uh, songs is actually Waffle. And, oh, Waffle. Yeah. So the entire episode is basically all said with one word. It's Waffle. Waffle, Waffle. So <laughs> it, it's, it's hilarious. And now you must sing it for us. No. <laughs> I don't sing. I don't oh, sing. Come oh, come on. Waffles, waffles, waffles. 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 Waffles, Uh, another how about how about you if you're not going to sing for us then provide us with another identity identifier of Teen Titans Go when you think Teen Titans Go what do you think about what I think is an identity identifier is that almost all of their episodes call in uh, an homage to a completely different piece of uh, intellectual property Okay. Yes. So, like cross media reference. Yes, the cross media reference. Uh, I, like that was uh, one of mine too. Um, like for instance, with Jinxed. Yep. It was very, very obviously an Ariel and Ursula situation with stealing the voice. Even to the point of if you another identifier is the they're they're always in scene transitions. They almost always have an exterior shot of the Teen Titans tower, which looks like yes. a giant letter T. Yes. And from the distance, there's always in the foreground. There's a little rock in the water because uh, the the T stands stands on this really narrow little island. And there's always a little rock. And there's always something like either on the rock or in the water yes, right yes. next to it. And it's always commenting on whatever is the content and, of the episode. And, it, and in Jinxed. <laughs> Flounder, literal yes, like yes. white, uh, the yellow, the yellow fish, shows up in that exterior and scene uh, right after Robin loses or regains his voice. I how can't they which. managed to avoid copyright violations with some of them, like like on one episode, I very clearly saw a Captain America shield, <laughs> but it was just different enough where Disney didn't flag it. But that's well, I that's, think that was true. I mean, I mean. We watched these five episodes, and in yes. these five episodes, we got we got Little Mermaid and Jinxed. We got The Matrix in Blaze. Yeah. We got we got multiple uh, other superheroes oh, in yeah. Origins. Yeah. We yeah. we got Spider Man, which is Sony Disney. You know. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. In uh, let's see, in Brain Percentages, we got Shakespeare. Uh, you know. So yeah, cross media. Right. Cross right. media um, reference, if not downright mocking yes yeah <laughs> but it's it's always it's always done in a very tongue-in-cheek way so that it's not a direct 
jab at them, but they pull what everybody finds funny, you know. Yeah. Be- they use it, for gags. Hand laughing. use it for <laughs> gags yes yes you know what i do think they do mock directly is i think another identifier is superhero tropes yes i yes. think they do mock directly and i think we saw that in the origin story one yes you know, yep. origin stories must be tragic you know and then, and then they and then all the other teens present like these super non-tragic ones and then present this like ridiculous and this is why it's tragic <laughs> and they mock that i think they do that you want some real tragedy bro cyborg tell this fool your origin story and don't leave nothing out you got it bro it all started back in the day I was born on this doomed alien planet that was about to blow up at any minute. To save me, my loving but questionable alien parents placed me in some old rickety capsule and shot me into outer space like wow! I was just a helpless baby boy, shipping through space all by my lonesome. It was crazy. I don't know what they were thinking. Then boom! I crash landed on some random farm here on Earth. This nice old farm couple found me all naked and crying, so they decided to take me in and raise me as their own. Later, I discovered I had all types of cool powers, so I left that farm life and became a superhero instead, saving people falling off things like tall buildings, waterfalls, ladders, horses, and chairs, and that's how I ended up here on Earth all super like. Uh-huh. That was even more ridiculous than the last one. You guys are making a mockery of these sacred and tragic tales. We would never. Yes, you would. This is serious stuff, and you should take it seriously. I, I, a decided lack of traditional superhero activity yes, is another yes. identifier. The, the, in Teen Titans Go, they don't really fight crime. <laughs> they hang around the tower and get into wacky adventures just based on who they are and what they're doing in the, on that particular episode. And, and I, I love that, that DC did this with these characters, which if you've ever seen Teen Titans, they are they are very serious about what they do. But there there are times where they'll have fun with it, the same way that say Star Trek had fun with some of their episodes. There is there is uh, a Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go uh cross up where where they they fight for and against each other. Yeah. And uh, I, I love that they they are willing to take their uh, sacred creations and, and make a mockery of everything that is, you know, a lot Just of have so much fun with. They it. have fun. They with don't it. take it too seriously. I yes. don't think they take it seriously at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's what's really fun is you did mention the idea that the Teen Titans as characters lends itself to a certain amount of darkness because yes. these are all very young people. You know, yes. some might say children who go through these extraordinarily tragic circumstances. I mean, there's a live action TV show uh, out right now by DC called Titans, right. which is a live action version of the Teen Titans. That it was like, I I only watched the, not even the whole first season of it because it was so dark. Yeah, <laughs> it was like yeah. I was like yeah. I don't need this much darkness in my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I I think that's that's really a hallmark of DC is that so many of their characters have a very very dark beginning to them. You know, obviously the most famous of it is Batman. Huh? You know, yep. where where he he tragically watched his uh spoiler alert, watched his parents get <laughs> murdered in front of him. And that you know that I think is as tragic as you can possibly get for uh, a, a superhero trope. And yet, at the same time, it is the hero that has produced the silliest 
and yes. the least serious incarnations of that hero. Yes. Uh, we already talked about the Adam West <laughs> television show with the with the bip zap bow. Yeah, and as as well as you know, even into the even into the present, there is currently an animated TV show about bat vehicles. <laughs> that they're like just they're just like it's like the bat wing and the batmobile and the bat cycle all team up and go out they're like they're like uh anthropomorphized vehicles in the DC universe <laughs> it kind of calls something else into mind though is that there are all of these uh animated series that are not necessarily geared towards children maybe young teens uh young adults kind of thing um and i think animation has a a special place where it brings these these stories and kind of expands the franchise in a way that movies can't and even necessarily uh tv shows can't there's there's a lot more imagination that can be brought into them there's a lot of examples of it um like for instance star trek lower decks there's there's also been some movie animation that the uh you know crypto the dog uh super superman's dog and the, the various other animals in in the dc universe yeah i think it was just what is i think it was just last year that yeah. there was the dc league of super pets yeah. in which the rock <laughs> the rock dwayne johnson uh was the voice of Crypto, and Kevin Hart became the voice of Bat-Dog, and all of the main <laughs> characters. It was uh, The Flash got a turtle, and Wonder yeah. Woman got a, what did she get, like a, a chinchilla or something? I don't even remember. Yeah, I think it was a chinchilla, well yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, but they all the, the main DC folks got, uh, got a pet, because all the pets got... Uh, Unless the chinchilla was the chinchilla, the bad guy. There was an animal who was the bad guy, who was this amazing villain who was trying to take over the world. Um, I watched it and then I immediately forgot it. Yeah. I refer you back to the beginning of the episode where I say I don't have a long-term memory. <laughs> what were we talking but, about? But uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it, I I find the idea of how animation can expand these kinds of franchises to be really interesting. And it has a really long history. One of the ways you mentioned that animation can allow the imagination to run free because you can do things in animation that you can't do in live action easily or as affordably anyway. Uh -huh. And that goes all the way back to the 60s when shortly after the original Star Trek, well, the, the original series was canceled after, I think, two, three seasons on TV, like within a year or two in the 60s, they came up with the idea of Star Trek the Animated Series. And the, all, the whole cast, uh, William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, the whole cast came back and lent their voices to the Animated Series. And I, I believe I re read somewhere that one of the draws of doing, pardon the pun, one of the draws <laughs> of doing the animated, of Star Trek the Animated Series was they could do things in animation that they couldn't do in live action because of the limits of technology at the time. And that that has just gone on more and more. Like, for instance, we talked about The Matrix mm -hmm. as a wonderful franchise. There's a whole series of short animated films called the Animatrix that yes, they that yes. they collected and 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 packaged as a DVD. 
our next episode is going to be about Jurassic Park. Yeah. And in the Jurassic Park uh, franchise, there is now an animated TV series that I think had three seasons called Camp Cretaceous that's all about kids that get stranded on Jurassic Park. Another franchise that we we haven't talked at all about is the MonsterVerse with, with uh, the kaiju of Godzilla and yeah. King Kong and... Yeah. Uh, those guys, they've the, the uh, Universal Studios has had a franchise of these movies just within the last decade, and they did another. They did an animated series that I think is also on Netflix called Skull Island. Star Wars went through a long period of time before they brought back the live action films and figured out a way to economically produce Star Wars live action TV shows they had the animated shows Star yeah. Wars The Clone Wars was it for Star Wars for many many years and it's an amazing show um, and Star Wars Rebels and now they have the anime studios doing Star Wars Visions mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so there's just there's just so many so many examples of ways in which animation can expand on franchises that I find really interesting to consider and DC you know with its with its super friends way back in the in the oh, 70s yeah. it's sort of like the 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 grandfather of it all and DC animation as its own thing has continued strong for decades and decades there's yeah. a, a oh, yeah. vast library of DC animated movies mm -hmm, that are mm -hmm. some of which are very adult and not oh, for yeah. little kids yeah. Um, as well as DC animated uh, TV shows. You know, and I was thinking about this too. It it kind of actually goes both ways too. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that started out as an animated series and then expanded their franchises exponentially in in various directions. So things like Transformers. Ooh, Transformers yeah. started out, you know, really really as an animated uh, series, and now they've got thirty or forty Michael Bay movies. Uh, <laughs> um, things like uh, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I loved as a kid and it expanded into the movies in the 90s and then uh, various other iterations of the TV show and various other movies uh, the, the franchise actually really grew huge and it, it started out first as a, as a comic but it quickly got picked up as an animated television show mm -hmm. and i'm sure there's a hundred other examples out there so uh spongebob squarepants became <laughs> yeah. a broadway musical it did it did there are so many adults who are quick to discount something animated as oh just that's just for children oh the you know that's that's kid stuff saturday morning cartoons they sit there and eat a bowl of cereal and in reality animation is a huge huge part of not just American culture, but then you've got Japanese and Chinese culture as well. Independently and together, they they make this wonderful, incredibly rich universe of art. And whether you think of Teen Titans Go as art or not, I'm sure their art department would like to know if you, uh, if you don't think that they're art. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's definitely it's, art. So much of art. art is meant to to be humorous, to be it, comedy, to be to make us laugh and it bring us folks joy. An it know? evokes yeah, an emotion. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, so, I was thinking. I was also thinking about Pixar. Right. Pixar yes. has Pixar has really. I think the I think 
the examples, I think the 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 countercultural examples you bring up, the idea of what is animation from Japan and China, I think that has a very different place in their culture than it does in American culture specifically. American culture, I think you're right, for for so long animation was seen as strictly a kid's thing. Right. And now I think in part through the amazing storytelling of Pixar, through the the work of Disney in terms of Disney was the company that first put an animated film into theaters. They were the yeah. first ones to make a feature film length movie that yeah. was animated. Uh, it was very slowly animation has grown to become more of an accepted storytelling. Nowadays, there's Adult Swim on right, Comedy Central, yeah. which is all adult, uh, you know, uh, well, adult, uh, you know, uh, we can argue whether or not it's <laughs> how, how, you know adult meaning not appropriate for children not yes. necessarily meaning mature but uh, <laughs> that's a different story but uh, but you know as well as uh, and interestingly I think the rise in superheroes to to finally bring it back around and and end the episode here the rise in superheroes in pop culture and movies has led to a respect for and an interest in adult storytelling and animation and I point that out in the sense of Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse trilogy that is cutting edge super creative interesting animation that has become a monster blockbuster phenomenon because it is recognized as uh, a store uh, as a as a cinematic art form for adults as well as children I I'm I'm glad that that animation has become something that is accepted now. I, I think uh, it's time for our fun little uh, little segment here, Jer. What have you brought for me today, Jeremy? Now, I, I, I know that we could have endless trivia on, on animation and all of that other stuff, but seeing as how we're coming into the holiday season, I, I, I genuinely want to know what, what you know about Christmas around the world. Oh, boy. So I've got some questions I'm going to ask you. And I want you to tell me what country they hail from. Ooh, ooh okay. All right. All right. So this country sprinkles red wine on Yule logs as part of its Christmas Eve tradition. Red wine on Yule logs. Italy. Yes. And no, it, Italy, but France specifically. So um, on Christmas Eve, a log is brought to the home and sprinkled with red wine to make it smell nice when burning. Um, oh, I hadn't even thought about the smell in, nice while burning part. In Italy, they, they usually do um, candles sprinkled with wine or milk covered in oil, honey, or butter. And then it was set, a, set ablaze by the head of the family. Hmm. Now this country celebrates Christmas Eve with eel as eel. a main dish. Eel? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna guess Norway. No! Actually, you answered right the first time. Italy? Italy! Eel in Italy? Yes. No idea. That's All right. kind of gross, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, no, I'm kidding. Christmas was banned on this island country from 1969 to 1998. Cuba? 
Yes! Hey! Yes! Woo! Because of Fidel Castro and the communist revolution, it is now part of their culture again. Christmas trees in this western part of the Eastern European country are often decorated with artificial spider webs because of the story of the Christmas spider. Blue and yellow flag. Ukraine. Ukraine. Yes, yes. Oh, all right. In this country, Christmas has only widely been celebrated for the last few decades as a non-religious holiday featuring Kentucky Fried Chicken as its main choice for a Christmas Eve meal. Wow. Uh, China? Very close, Japan. Oh, all right. Yes, okay. yes. And it all started as a marketing campaign from KFC. That's In 1974, and called it Kentucky for Christmas. Kurisamo uh, Niwa Kentucky. The people of this country believe that Santa Claus or Father Christmas lives in the country's northern part. Uh, uh, I'm not going to even try and pronounce this. Uh, but it's also called Lapland, land of, or north of the Arctic Circle. Ooh, Greenland? Mm, close. Iceland? Uh, Further away? <laughs> Am I getting warmer or getting colder? We'll play, well, that, it, play that childhood game. Hotter or colder? It's Finland. <laughs> Finland? Yes, yes. I couldn't tell you the relationship between Finland and Greenland. <laughs> Again, geography ignorant. This country's culinary traditions include serving 12 dishes meant to give good luck for the next 12 months. For Catholics in this country, it's meant to reflect the number of apostles. Oh, this is, is, a that, Central is that European the 12 fish meal? Because uh, that's an Italian tradition. I know Southern similar. Italy tradition. Yeah, no, this similar. This one is, think Central European. Again, geography ignorant. <laughs> Your attempts to help me do nothing. I don't know. Tell me. Poland. Poland. Instead of just one Santa, this country is visited by 13 Yule lads. Ooh. And it's a name you've said before in this quiz. Austria. No. Italy. No. Belgium. Iceland. Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> now, the reason I wanted to read this one out is because I love these names, and I know I'm going to butcher these names. Okay. They're, they're great, though. Potaslicker. Pot liquor. <laughs> Askas liquor. Bowl liquor. Bowl, as in like a bowl. Bowl. Bowl liquor. Bowl, as in uh, what you put your cereal in. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Glugagir. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm butchering these names. Window peeper. Window peeper. Yes, yes. Wow, yeah, we want him to visit. <laughs> <laughs> Gilead. Gil-Jagar? I'm sorry, it's Gully Imp. I'm gonna read the, the English names of some of these. Gimpy Gully Imp, Itty Bitty, Pot Scraper Licker, Pot Licker, Bowl Licker, Door Slammer, uh, Skier Gobbler, Skier is an Icelandic yogurt, Sausage Snatcher, Window Peeper, Doorway Sniffer, <laughs> Meat Hooker, and Candle Beggar. And a partridge <laughs> in a pear tree. <laughs> 
I, I thought it was neat reading and hearing about all of these different Christmas traditions ac across the world. It is, yeah. It's completely how interesting how we think and mundane that, we can be. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure that what we do seems completely bonkers to yes. folks in other countries. Yeah. You know, it's so yeah. easy for us to think of ourselves as the normal and the usual and the obvious when, <laughs> you know, you look at other parts of the world and it's just fascinating. As far as for next week, we're not going to have the Wheel of Random episode selection. We are going to be discussing Jurassic Park. Why? Because we can. And we want to. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you want to, I recommend it. Go rewatch Jurassic Park, the OG uh, original one from 1993. It's a heck of a lot of fun. Along with Jurassic Park, we will be discussing book adaptations because there are so many and so vast and so varied and so much fun. Jared, can you play us out now? Absolutely. If you would like to contribute to Two Guys and a Franchise, we invite you to visit our website, twoguysandafranchise.com. T-W-O-A-N-G-A. No. Yes? <laughs> Shoot. I was going to go fast and be impressive and failed miserably. T-W-O-G-U-Y-S-A-N-D-A franchise.com. <laughs> <laughs> or send us an email at feedback at twoguysandafranchise.com. I'm not doing it again. Stop looking at me like that, Jeremy. We hope you have a wonderfully nerdy week. You need to keep that in there. That, that was great.